I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 86. Today in the show, we're sharing a behind-the-scenes look at the latest bow hunting gear and news from the 2016 ATA show. Alright, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Sitka Gear. And today we are doing something that we have never done before. Me and Dan, my co-host, are sitting in a room together recording a podcast. And what do you think about this, Dan? It's a little weird because it, it's not just any room. It is, uh, it's a hotel room where you pay by the hour. So <laughs> that part we're going to leave out, Dan. <laughs> no, it's it's weird because our setup now everybody who talks has to lean in and then lean out and then lean in and then lean out. So yeah, we we might not sound the best today, but we're working with our with our janky setup here and it'll it'll be good because we are here at the 2016 Archer Trade Association show which for those that don't know is essentially the the largest archery and bow hunting convention of the year where retailers, manufacturers, and media members all come together to check out the newest products from all the companies across the board. And, you know, retailers are trying to figure out what products they need to stock. Manufacturers are trying to make sure that retailers stock their products and the media is trying to see it all and and hear it all and and share it. So that's what me and Dan have been doing over the past couple days. So today we wanted to give you a little bit of a sneak peek into what the ATA show is like to be at and then we'll share some of our own experiences this week and finally go through some of the most interesting new products we've seen there's been a lot I'm kind of overwhelmed still but uh, we'll try to share a couple of our favorites and give you a little bit of a look behind the scenes of what this whole crazy thing is about because I'm sure you've probably seen a lot on social media and different websites over the past few days um, possibly because a lot of people are talking about it so we want to give you a little bit different perspective so Dan, how's the show going for you so far? Well, I made the mistake of wearing a brand new pair of shoes and walking up and down the aisles all day long, <laughs> so my feet hurt, And uh, but I did good. I didn't go out drinking at all this week, 
<laughs> while, while I was here <laughs> compared to past years. And uh, I got some barbecue, ate some barbecue, and uh, went back to my room. But other than that, the show's been good. I did the same thing you did, walk up and down the aisles, look at products, talk to manufacturers, and uh, just get a ton of information. That's one of the things about the show usually is that when you get thousands and thousands and thousands of bow hunters together and all these people from the media and all these different companies that you see, maybe you talk to online a lot, but you don't actually get to meet in person, when everyone gets together, usually there's a lot of uh, after-school events, I guess we'll call it. <laughs> and usually, Dan, you and I participate. But last night, I had a, a dinner meeting, and uh, after that, after that dinner meeting, I looked at the clock and I was like, you know what? I'm just tired. I'm going home. I'm not. I'm not going to text anyone. I'm not going to head downtown. I'm just going to go back to the hotel, hotel room. And I remember thinking in my head, I'm like, wow, you're pretty lame, Mark. But I opened, <laughs> I opened the door and, and walked in the hotel room, which, which you and me are sharing, Dan. And there you are, already passed out asleep. And I realized it's 10:30. And me and Dan Johnson are already sleeping in the hotel room. This marked a new era in our, our maturation as adults. So uh, it was a different kind of ATA from that perspective. But still been fun. Still been fun. I, uh, I got in Monday night and just tried to do a little bit of work. And then Tuesday was a full day on the floor. I did go out last – no, Tuesday. I did go out Tuesday night, saw some people, had some fun, and then – Yesterday was it was the early night, but I think you you came in one Wednesday morning like five in the morning. Yeah, I left uh, I left my my house at eight o'clock p.m. on Tuesday night. Drove all through the night. Got here when was it? I got here about four thirty. I was sleeping kind of by five a.m. and then the alarm went off at seven thirty. So I got an hour and a half of sleep. Hit the uh, then hit the show. Yeah. It's uh it's the last day of the show now, and now that you've had the 2000, I keep wanting to say 15, but the 2016 show is in the books almost. How many show? How many ATs have you been to? This is my probably. Let me see here. This is my sixth, I think. What about you? I think this is my this is my sixth, fifth or sixth as well. So, in a short minute or so how how would you describe ata what's the ata show experience like for you usually for those of who have never been to an ata show let me sum it up for you designer jeans <laughs> money uh, company spends big companies spend big money on booth spaces and uh a lot of people similar to what we do like if they have a web show or if they have, uh, I don't know, a, web, a television show. Everybody's trying to. There's. It's everybody's trying to get something. The like Mark said earlier, the manufacturers are trying to sell their products to the buyers. The buyers are trying to, you know, sell the products that they buy to the retail stores, and and then there's all this all this negotiations that take place for products, and then at the same time you got people in the media similar to what we do who are trying to get their hands on some of that money as well, uh, you know, for sponsorships, for ad dollars, for, you know, a whole bunch of different things. And uh, it's it's pretty unique being being able to see the business side of the hunting industry. Yeah, you basically have every <clears throat> every side of the hunting industry is there, so you, you're right in the middle of it. I remember my first year, I don't know about you, but my first year at ATA, you, you walk in the doors and it's overwhelming. 
it's just like holy crap it's bright lights and blaring music and videos and people everywhere and endless endless booths and products everywhere like i every year i just start walking in the first like few hours i just kind of wander just trying to like, take it all in and then from there i can kind of start figuring out where i need to talk to people and all that but for for a little perspective for those who haven't been to the show before imagine oh gosh i guess imagine several huge convention floor spaces i mean like hundreds and i don't know five six football fields maybe more basically a walmart distribution center yeah full of every bow hunting product that you've ever seen yeah and then you get you get some companies just have a small booth like a single table and some you know things behind them and then you've got other companies that are massive elaborate setups like compounds like cabins almost there's all sorts of people bringing all sorts of interesting things couches and tables and meeting rooms and huge panoramic video screens with videos playing and all their sample products um especially like the bow manufacturers usually they've got some of the biggest setups um and, and today there's a couple different large holding companies that own like five or six different big hunting brands so those guys have got like little small villages set up with corners for each one of the brands so it's quite a quite a setup and um on top of that too especially if you're new here um you know there, there can be a little bit of um i don't know sensory overload sensory overload yeah that's that's a good way to put it and then on top of that if you watch outdoor tv or anything like that or, or read magazines you, you know all the all the hunting media folks are here which is kind of interesting there's you know autograph signings from all your tv people at different booths so you'll walk around and then there'll be some massive line or huge throng of people and you know jim shockey will be standing up on a stage talking or you'll turn around and there's michael waddell and you walk a little further and there's cameron haynes and you walk a little further and there's lee and tiffany and there's pretty much everyone's here so if you're into that kind of stuff you get to see those folks which, which can be cool i guess and um i didn't mean that in a bad way i just <laughs> i guess if you're into that i guess um but yeah it, it, it's interesting so ATA is definitely an experience, um, and if you are, you know, involved in the in the bow hunting industry in any way, whether you are on media or you work for a company that makes gear or you sell gear or anything like that, it's open to those to those types of professions. So, if you are in that business in any way and you haven't been to the ATA show, I definitely recommend coming out and just checking it out uh, to see it. It's it's worth an experience, that's for sure. And and I think maybe. Well, definitely probably my favorite thing about the ATA show is just the opportunity to connect in person with people. Lots of times that you might just talk to online or occasionally on the phone or something. Getting to, you know, meet face-to-face um, always seems to be, you know, really valuable and just fun to connect with people again and catch up with folks. It's it's kind of like a great big strange family gathering, I guess, um, when everyone gets back together. So it's been fun from that perspective for me. Now, before we get any further into our 2016 ATA experiences, we do need to pause for a brief word from our sponsors of this podcast, Sitka Gear. And given that we've just been at the ATA show and hearing all about new products, I thought today would be the perfect time to ask Sitka product category leader Dennis Zuck about what the new product development process looks like at Sitka. So here's Dennis with a little bit of insight. Yeah, so it's it's kind of a funny thing because, you know, as I sit here today, I'm thinking about 2017. So if that gives you an idea of how long it takes, it takes a couple of years. And, you know, when, when you start that process, you know, it's a, it's a process of looking for pain points and looking for opportunities where maybe, you know, people didn't know they, a product people didn't know they needed or, or a problem they've just become accustomed dealing with without a, a viable solution. You know, and that's that's a series of, 
you know, interviewing some folks, asking some tough questions, being a hunter yourself, going out and thinking about, you know, that that one instance that caused you problems or how how come my hands keep getting cold or or what could I do if I didn't if somebody didn't tell me how to make a jacket, how would I make that jacket given the fact that maybe I'm an archery hunter? You know, so going back through that and thinking about the seasons, you know, what happens in the early season, the late season, you know, what happens when I'm hanging my tree stands? You know, all those little things that make us whitetail hunters, thinking about them, diagnosing them. And then we write briefs, which is a saying that if you could do it, this would be the perfect product. And lots of iteration, lots of testing. Um, we try not to test anything on our consumers. So we, we get out, beat stuff up, rip things. We have problems. Things don't work. You know, we come back to the well, we do it again. Um, but that process, it's a couple year one, couple year process for us to do it the way that we feel that our consumers deserve. So if you're interested in learning more about what Sitka Gear has to offer for whitetail addicts like you and me, visit SitkaGear.com. And now let's get back to the show. I, uh, I'm curious, Dan, your show so far has been pretty quick. You've been, I think, harassing people to talk to you, right? Is that, is that, is that your methodology, Dan? <laughs> Corner them in an incom- un- uncomfortable position. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. What, what have you been doing here so far? Well, basically, what the, my first, the first thing I did was take a lap. Just walk up and down every aisle trying to see who I wanted to talk to in regards to my own personal show, uh, my own podcast, and getting guests for my podcast. I wanted to interview, you know, the gear side of things, the manufacturers, the equipment, all that stuff. Who uh, who do you think, and maybe you can't share yet, but are there any particular companies that you talk to that you think for sure you're going to be able to share on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast that you're excited about? Well, every person I've talked to seemed interested. So if my stack of business cards that I got all plays out, I'm going to have 50 podcasts coming this year, which is pretty exciting. But yeah, you know, like companies like NAP, companies like uh, um, a, a close friend of mine, uh, Sam Calora owns Miss Deer P. It's just a scent, and he, he's from my hometown. I'm going to have him on the show. I talked to uh, him uh, just a gamut from, like you said, really small companies to the larger, you know, I don't even know what they're called. Corporations, basically, like the uh, the outdoor group, and they own Elite, they own Slick Trick, they own uh, Dual Game Calls. So, yeah, I think that's one of the things that maybe a lot of people don't realize, and I didn't really realize till we started, you know, showing up of these shows, is that a lot of the hunting brands that we're familiar with are part of these larger holding companies, um, mega corporations. So, like for example, you mentioned the Outdoor Group. Um, Pradco Brands owns Moultrie, Summit Tree Stands, Code Blue, and Night and Hail. That's another big one. Um, Plano Synergy is huge. They're, gosh, I'm going to forget some of their brands. Barnett, Tenzing, Barnett Crossbows, uh, Wild Game Innovations, uh, Plano Cases and stuff, uh, Bloodsport Arrows they just added this year I saw. What else? Any others on that front? Not that I can think of. Yeah. So th- there's a whole bunch of these mega kind of corporations that have kind of been collecting brands underneath their umbrella now. Um, so that's been an interesting change. It definitely seems over the last few years that's been happening more and more. You see more of these brands getting pulled under. Um, Faradine is another one. They've got Muzzy, Rage, uh, Truefire, uh, something else. So that's something that's interesting to see here. Um, 
now to what you said, Dan, about what you've been doing here, I've been doing a lot of the same thing. Um, I've been, you know, given the fact that we have relationships with some companies, I'm spending time meeting with companies to catch up and, uh, and chat about what we've been doing so far and what we might do in the future. Um, so lots of meetings with different people, magazine editors, um, all the different folks in the industry that I work with, try to connect with them here while we're at the show and in person because, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to do that when we're spread all across the country. So when we all get here together, it's like packing as much as you possibly can. Um, and then also in between all of that, then trying to see as much of the new gear as possible, try to share some of that on our social media, which is getting to be more and more of a challenge and running out of time to do it. Um, but trying to see some of those things, trying to identify some of the most interesting new products, the weirdest new products. Um, there's always a kind of a collection of both. Um, so that's what I've been doing over the past few days. And like, like you said, Dan, I'm, I'm pretty darn tired. Um, Shoot, not only did we go to bed early yesterday, but I even came home for like an hour and a half nap in between meetings. So <laughs> I'm kind of glad that we're winding down here today. But now that, you know, you've had a full day on the floor, I've had two full days on the floor. I want to walk through some of the, the products we've seen, some of the interesting new new pieces of gear or just interesting things we saw in general. So off the top of your head, Dan, what are some of the things that you saw this year that you were interested in? And let's hear a little little detail about those. The very first product that comes to mind is a new broadhead by NAP and where the blades are fully encased in the housing of the broadhead. So what that means is there there is no blade exposed. So you walk up to it and you look at it and it's a for the most part it looks like a field point. Um, then you push in the head and three blades come out. Now I don't know the, the details on, you know, I know they have a 100 and a 125 grain broadhead, but that's the very first product that uh, sticks out just because it's so unique and the blades are completely enclosed in the in the housing. We've never had the, the broadhead debate on here, Dan, I don't think. I think we talked about it in your podcast recently, um, but do you typically shoot mechanicals or are you a fixed blade guy sometimes? Most of the time, I'm, I've been shooting mechanicals uh, just because I feel they fly better. Oh, what a jerk. You're such a jerk. <laughs> I can't believe you shoot mechanicals. <laughs> Let's start a fight. Uh-huh. We were just talking the other day about how broadhead choice always <laughs> seems to light, start, start some fights, some serious debates. Um, but, but in all seriousness, yeah, mechanical guy. Are you, didn't you switch, though, for a little bit? Well, I, I switched for only one reason, and that was I switched to uh, some slick trick broadheads this year for our Idaho hunt because certain states don't allow mechanical broadheads to be used. So I switched to slick trick, which is a fixed blade for my elk hunt or our elk hunt that we went on. And then I, instead of changing tips and re sighting in my bow, I decided to go ahead and keep my slick tricks on for the whitetail season. Yeah, I switched to a fixed blade this year too for the same reasons. Well, for the last two years, I've been using a fixed blade during my elk hunting seasons. And then after I shot that bull last year, I felt pretty confident with the muzzy I was shooting, the muzzy trocar. So I decided to use that for the full season. And I ended up having really good, really positive results. I'm happy with how it performed. And the, the reason why I ended up making the, sh- the shift for whitetails is I'd always had the worry that with my mechanical, I'd have issues with penetration someday. Or if I hit a shoulder blade, you know, I'd have that doomed outcome of the shoulder blade shot with a mechanical. So that was what I was worried about. And I made the shift, made the switch, and I have killed four deer with my bow this year. 
and all four of them died within 40 yards of where I shot them. I saw all four of them go down, which is pretty incredible. And one of them, I did have the shoulder blade shot, the shoulder blade shot, the dreaded shoulder blade shot. And this broadhead and arrow combination shattered the front shoulder and went all the way through to the back shoulder and just, just decimated that, that cavity inside there. So it did exactly what I was hoping it would do. Um, so I was pretty well convinced that that's what I'm going to use for, for next year at least. But there's definitely a lot of broadhead options. Did you did you see any others in addition to the NAP one this year that, that stood out that you can remember? I, and I'm not sure what the name of the company is, but it looks like a normal fixed blade broadhead. But you remove a four-blade broadhead. But let's say you take out two of the blades that are right across from each other, and you put in a pizza cutter circle. Oh, yeah. Well, I went and I talked to those guys, and I'm just like, tell me about this product. So anyway, they, uh, I, I wish I knew the name, but it looks like a pizza cutter. So the guy tells me if it hits bone, that that pizza cutter will roll, and it won't, it won't stop. So it moves because it when it hits bone it moves and it won't that that kinetic energy just won't come to a stop like a cut will it will roll around the bone so who knows yeah i remember seeing that too that was a pretty interesting one um funky design but if it works i guess it makes sense um yes i saw another another crazy one that had like almost two sets of broadheads there was like and i'm gonna do a horrible job describing this because i just saw it really briefly but it had a normal kind of a, a smaller fixed blade broadhead on the the front and then like an inch or two farther behind it had a second set of like expandables i don't know it was a wild looking thing um one broadhead that i do remember that i can describe more accurately i was looking at the new trocar since that's what i shot this past year i was kind of interested in it and there's a new switch trocar or trocar switch something like that where you're actually able to adjust the blade offset to expand the cutting diameter so there's a little tiny screw i guess that you loosen and then you there's three different settings so you can go from like an inch and a eighth inch uh cutting diameter up to an inch and a quarter or something along those lines so that's kind of nice if you want to expand that cutting diameter while still having a fixed blade design um so shoot we're doing a pretty bad job remembering broadheads. What about <laughs> what about arrows? Did you see anything new on the arrow standpoint? I'll be I'll be honest. I didn't uh, I didn't get a chance to go check out some arrows uh, this year. I did talk with some guys from Gold Tip uh, about some some new arrows, but you know, like I said, it's a sensory overload, and some of that information was not absorbed on what specifically was good about their their new product, but. Um, there's there, you know, it's just not the Easton's, the gold tips, the carbon expresses of the world. There are probably 50 arrow manufacturers in this building. Yeah. Isn't there, I'm trying to think of who I can remember. There's victory archery. There's black Eagle. I think, um, the three you mentioned was the three I can think of. And then there's some Japanese companies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, there's a whole slew. I haven't got to go into detail with carbon express on anything new they have, but just from passing by their booth really quickly, I don't think they do have anything major new. Um, but I did uh, I did talk to some folks from Gold Tip yesterday who, who I think you were probably talking to as well. They are releasing their first micro diameter arrow. And um, the one kind of interesting thing they mentioned is that they have, they have a little tool that comes with their arrows now that when you take the knock off the back of the arrow, you can use this tool to 
well, let me take a step back. At the front of the arrow, where you would screw in, where your insert is, it's a two-way insert. So there's threads in the front and there's threads in the back. So the, front, the threads in the front, obviously, that's where you screw in your field tip or your broadhead. But the threads in the back are accessible through the inside of the arrow. So you take the knock off the back and you use this little tool to add weight to the back side of the insert. So you can add as much weight as you want to then adjust forward of center on your, on your arrow. So if you need a heavier setup, if you're going to go from a white tail to an elk hunt or a moose hunt or something like that, you can adjust the weight in your arrow to, to do that. So that's kind of an interesting thing to do. I, I don't know if I would um, be smart enough to do that the right way. But <laughs> Not me. Yeah, but it was kind of interesting. Um, what about bows? If I'm thinking about new bow stuff I've seen so far, uh, I'm trying to remember here. I know that you know Bear has got the bows that they announced this fall, although they did just announce a new crossbow, their first crossbow ever. So that sounds pretty cool if, if you're into the crossbow thing. Um, Matthews announced a new bow. They came up with the, the Halon or Halon. Yeah. Um, that was this fall they announced it, but they announced a new version of it called the Halon X, I think, or something. Just kind of a, some different variations on that. I saw that. Um, Hoyt has got the new Defiant, I think. I think that's the the new one I saw. Um, G5, I think, is releasing a new bow called the Rise or Riser or something like that. Um, I haven't got to shoot any bows. Um, what about I haven't got to shoot anything from Elite. I don't know if did you see if there's a new bow from Elite. Elite has the new uh, Impulse, and I believe that is like uh, they two versions of it, a uh, 32 and a 35. Okay. So that's another thing that we didn't mention is that all the bow companies that are here, most of them along the outer walls of the convention center, have got uh, essentially shooting ranges set up where you can come in and shoot all the different bows. So some guys just spend the whole day going from booth to booth, shooting every bow, trying all of them, trying to get a different feel for, for which ones they like. Um, I haven't been able to do that yet this year, but I might try to shoot a couple today. Um, but there's no shortage of bows, that's for sure. Um, and new companies coming out all the time, too. There's... Uh, Shoot, the last couple of years there's been a few new manufacturers that have been getting some buzz, like Obsession Bows, new, uh, Expedition Archery's one. Um, are there any other new ones that you remember? War Eagle or something like that? I thought I saw one called War Eagle. Hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot going on. Um, I'm thinking here about other types of gear. Um, what else stood out to you? What Another thing that stood out to me is, <laughs> And it's not necessarily negative, but it is kind of funny, is you're walking into a booth, and it's a brand new product that is first, you know, it's the first time they've ever been to an ATA show, and I'm going to use a camouflage company, for example. I'm not going to say the name of it, but I don't know how well it's going to do. It's one of these things where maybe somebody had some money and somebody loves hunting so much that they're just like, you know what? I'm going to come up with a camo pattern and it's going to be awesome and it's going to sell and it's going to make me a ton of money. Well, <laughs> I walked into the booth and I'm just, the first thing that popped into my head was, hey, that's mossy oak or that's real tree. Well, it's not. It looks really similar to it, but it's, but it's not. And, you know, I went in, I talked to the guys for a little bit. They're just like, yeah, this camel pattern. And they got their hype team with them, their yes men with them. And, oh, this is so, this camel pattern so good. It works for me. It works for everything. And it's just like, mm, <laughs> good luck. 
Yeah, I, I think especially with camo, it's such an established marketplace, you know? Like, I feel there's a couple big players everybody knows, and then it seems like you need to have, like, a, a major um, clothing manufacturer to be behind a camo for it to catch any steam, you know? When uh, Sitka came out with their Optifade pattern for their gear, or First Light came out with a camouflage for their gear, or Under Armour now has their own unique camo, um, that can work, it seems like, but i got to believe it would be tough to just make your own pattern and try to start from, from zero. Um, that's, a tough, that's a tough sell. There's a lot of companies like that, though, where you see them come in here, and, and gosh, you're happy for them. It's exciting. They're, they're trying, but um, there's some steep uphill battles for a lot of companies with these mega corporations now that own so many of these brands and throw so many dollars behind development and marketing. It's probably getting tougher and tougher for upstarts, don't you think? Yeah, and I'll give you one example. My good friend Jesse Hurley of Stick and Pick. I talked to him, and he's been in the Stick and Pick. And for those of you who don't know what a Stick and Pick is, long story short, it's a trail camera accessory you can screw into a tree, or you can, it's like a little mini stick, and you can pick it, stick it right into the ground, and put your trail camera on it. You don't need a tree. I talked to him, and this is one of the first years that they've not really been recognized but one of the very first years that they've got they're in the black you know they made more money than they spent and that took three or four years for them so just imagine what kind of struggle these smaller companies have to go through in order to get to to you know to start making money when they're doing it by themselves yeah, one of the good things, I guess, these days is I think the internet does make it easier for a new company to, to have a platform and get their message out there probably than before because when there used to be gatekeepers in the form of just a retailer. You know, yeah. if you couldn't get into Cabela's or whatever, you might not get heard at all um, or seen at all. Now there's direct-to-consumer sales, which probably opens the door for new, smaller companies, so that's nice. Um, going back to all well, speaking of small companies or new kind of companies that kind of popped up on the scene, I think... One way that a new company can get attention and get a great start is if their product is just so different, um, so innovative that it just captures people's attention. There's nothing else out there. Um, there was one uh, product that I saw recently that was kind of interesting. It's called Cirrus, and it's a new wind indicator. And it essentially, it's a battery-powered vaporizer that creates some type of, I, I really don't even know how it creates this vapor, but it essentially looks like steam that comes out of this little tiny like lighter looking thing and it provides such a very thin light uh, smoke that you're able to get a very long lasting consistent wind indication on it. So I saw that was kind of neat. Um, you know, being able to track your wind is, is an important thing and the powders work okay and the little cotton puffs work okay. Um, but this one looked pretty pretty nice. I don't Did you see that one, Dan? I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but you know, it may, I don't know how big it is. Was it like the size of a lighter? Yeah. Well, it's just, it's like, like I said to you earlier, or uh, on one of our last podcasts, this is my first year in like eight years. I didn't bring a camera into the tree with me, but I bring my Ozonics and I bring my, uh, you know, I bring all this other gear with me. And it's just like, I don't think, I think I'm going to have to start going to a bigger backpack just to carry all this gear that is going to help me better, I guess. Yeah, there's no shortage <laughs> of stuff we can bring in the tree with us, that's for sure. Um, oh, Speaking of other gear, let's keep on running down some of the things we saw. Um, Muddy Outdoors 
has got trail cameras now. Did you see that? Yep. They, um, I guess, supposedly this is, as I understand it, Muddy and Big Game Tree Stands are now the same company or owned by the same company. And so Icon Trail Cameras were the trail camera brand under Big Game. Now they're rebranding it as Muddy Trail Cameras and, and updating things and changing things, making it smaller and you know better technology, supposedly. So that's a new thing with trail cams. Um, and on the tra- trail camera front, also Moultrie had a big announcement. Moultrie launched their Moultrie Mobile setup. And this was kind of cool in that they aren't launching a specific wireless trail camera. Instead, they are just releasing a modem that you attach to a camera. But it's um, uh, it works with almost all of their trail cameras from 2016 and 2015. So even last year's cameras, almost all of these will work with this modem. So all you need to do is get one modem or as many as you want. And then you can go attach that to any of your old trial cameras that you bought last year or one of the other various models this year to make that one wireless for however long you need it to be. So instead of buying a $600 or $500 wireless camera and you've got that one, you know this might be able to give you some flexibility to, okay, I need the wireless one here, but I want to use such and such camera there and a little more flexibility. Maybe you can more affordably get a couple of them. So that was interesting. They've got a pretty nice mobile app that I saw um, when they announced it. That um, you know, I think all the wireless trail cameras are trying to do a better job of the delivery through you know through mobile and email and everything. And it seemed like this one and, and Bushnell's that I've seen seem pretty slick too. Um, but I like the I like the interface that Moultrie's app seemed to have. But I've yet to actually use one of the wireless trail cameras, so I need to just probably try to get my hands on one and, and get some experience with it because there's definitely some obvious benefits to it that would be neat, especially when I hunt some of these states that are hours and hours and hours away from home it'd be nice to be able to check those cameras without needing to make the seven hour drive you know yeah i tell you what great idea and if i if i had great service to where i could get a cell phone signal you know to send these trail camera pictures back to me that'd be awesome but where i do a majority of my hunting i don't get cell phone service because i'm down in a bottom or I'm on the backside of a big ridge or just completely out in the country where there is no cell phone service. For me, I've tried it, and for me, it's just something that you can't replace driving out there and going and checking them yourself. Yeah, the cell phone service is definitely an issue. If you don't have that, you're kind of SOL. So looking through my little stack of brochures here that's kind of triggering my memory, another big new announcement this year is from... Ozonics, who we talk about a lot. Um, this year, for the first time, I guess ever, they have a brand new product to their line, the HR300. Uh, so it's an, it's an update on their current Ozonics machine. Um, from what I understand, it delivers something like 40 to 45% more ozone emitted, so you can get a, even a, a better chance of that blanketing your scent and converting those molecules. Um, it's got some different um, power modes. I don't know if you saw if you guys talked to them, Dan, but it kind of automatically will adjust the output based on conditions and, and battery life and everything like that. Sounds like it's an updated battery, better battery life, things like that. Um, so it looks like a neat device. Also, they've added a dry bag or dry wash bag, I think they're calling it. So it's essentially, it's a, it's a cloth closet for you to hang all your hunting clothes in and put your boots and your backpack in and then your ozonics machine inserts into this bag um, and then circulates ozone for certain periods of time 10 minute intervals i think i said it circulates ozone through all of your clothes and your gear so that essentially ozone washes it 
again, destroying some of that human scent um, before you head out into the woods. So that was cool. And then they also have a backpack option where you can attach the ozonics machine in a certain position to emit ozone as you walk in and out of your stand, again, to try to help control some of that odor as you access and exit. So I thought that was pretty cool. I'm, I'm hoping to try out the, the dry wash bag pretty soon. I like that idea. You, Dan? Yeah, I'm definitely a, fa- a believer in uh, ozone. Um, and the, the dry wash bag, definitely hang your clothes in there, circulate your ozone, you know, get rid of all that scent. i tell you what I've been doing is they, they, like you mentioned, they have that new pack that you can, you can take it off, you can wear it as a fanny pack, or you can wear it as a full setup. Uh, and you put your, o- your ozonics in there, and there's like a mesh lining, and it allows the ozone to escape. So w- while you're walking to your stand, you can have ozone coverage. I've been doing that with my regular pack. I just set my ozone, my uh, ozonics on top, and I keep the top of my pack open, and that's that for me has seemed to work. So I, it's going to be hard unless they come out with a complete pack so that you have to wear your pack and their pack in order to to make it work but you know just like all we make things work as bow hunters so you know once we get some of these our hands on some of these products we can kind of find the best way to do things yeah speaking of scent control there's a couple other companies that have updates to their scent sprays um hunter specialties came out with a brand new addition to their scent away line it's called their bio strike assault formula pretty odor assault formula quite tactical um theirs looks like it's built off of like the silver technology which supposedly can help eliminate some scent i know code blue announced uh, a new scent elimination brand and technology called i think decode and that's based on silver technology as well um those are the two i saw in addition to ozonics that came to to scent i don't think nose jammer had anything new this year did they did you see that no i did not yeah so so that's the scent side of things um I did see one one company that was uh, had a um, a system kind of like what uh, Hunter Specialty came out with called Slayer Scent. Just another small company. Um, I tried to have a conversation with the guy, but he didn't seem like he wanted to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Does that happen a lot in your life, Dan? <laughs> Every day. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know that's funny. When I first started coming, and I think. You know, I guess it's understandable and that these guys have a million different people trying to talk to them, but you definitely do get the people who you walk up to and then you see their eyes dart down to your badge and try and decide, is this person important enough for me to talk to or not? <laughs> is this guy going to make me money? Yeah, yeah, and usually they look down at mine and then blow me off. So <laughs> it is what it is. Um, other interesting new gears, we keep on going down the line. Reinhardt, who's always made 3D targets, for the first time is making decoys. Um, this looks kind of interesting. They're kind of a a 2D, 3D hybrid. So, you know, there's the typical full 3D decoy like your Boss Buck or something. And then there's the 2D models like Montana Decoy, which are just like the thin, um, foldable, silhouette-type style decoy. This is kind of in-betweener. It's not the full thick 3D. It's like two inches thick. Um, so it gives it a little more body appearance I guess a little bit but it's small enough and thin enough that you can break it apart and pack it a little more easily than the great big 3d models Um, that's my only complaint with my decoy that I have is just it's so big and bulky and anytime any plastic hits plastic it just echoes and makes a lot of noise so this might be helpful from that standpoint and what it has like I said it's it's, uh, several pieces 
thicker than just a silhouette, but still pretty thin, stakes in the ground, and then it has swivels on the neck and head and maybe the back hips that will allow it to move a little bit in the wind, the whole neck, head, ear section. So, Like a, like a hinge on a door. Yeah, that, that's a good way to describe it. So that looked kind of cool. Um, did you, did you uh, see that, Dan? Yes, I did. I <laughs> <laughs> was, ho- was hoping you'd have more on it. <laughs> we'll roll with that. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, other, in other news, Redneck Blinds did have some updates, I saw. Um, they've got new soft-sided blinds available. So right now they had the, the hay bale blinds and the, hard, the hard-sided fiberglass box blinds, but now they've got like a soft-sided cloth blind option that you can either mount elevated in the stand or have on the ground still with a metal frame and, and kind of heavy duty materials but that was pretty nice and that was a lot more affordable um where their fiberglass box blinds are you know it's an investment this was more like the i think four or five hundred dollars or something so that's much more you know reasonable i guess if you're trying to outfit a property and budget is an issue um so that's something i saw uh, there's a million different companies making attractants and supplements uh, and all that. You know, Big and J has some new things. Analogics has some new things. Primos has some new attractants. Wild Game Innovations has got something new every day. Um, Moultrie has got something called Pecan Pie that sounded kind of tasty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What about you, Dan? What did you see? Uh, yeah, and that's... Uh... One company that I'm interested in, because this Analogic company that I'm interested in actually doing the interview when I interview them, is uh, seeing some of the science behind behind some of these mineral companies and um, what they can do to benefit the health of of the deer. Not just claim antler growth, but make your herd stronger, your herd health stronger. Yeah, definitely. There's there's yeah. I always kind of bounce back and forth on how much a supplemental feed like that can help. I think in order for it to be a, a, a noticeable, make a noticeable difference, you have to be, you know, providing it in pretty large quantities that make it tough for, for maybe the average guy or girl to afford. But if you can, I mean, it'd be interesting to hear more about what they're doing and see how, how beneficial it can be. Um, to date, I've, I've always just used things as an attractant for my trail cameras, but shoot, if it can help your, your deer herd too, that's that's a good thing. Um, speaking of antlers, you just mentioned antlers. It triggered another memory for me. There's a new piece of gear from Wild Wild Game Innovations, I think. It's called the Trophy Tape. Did you see that one? It's It doesn't look like you did. You've got a confused look on your face. No, I've seen it, but it's not from Wild Game Innovations. Oh, who's it from? I don't know. Well, <laughs> real helpful. Yeah. Um, essentially what it is is it's, it's ad- adhesive tape. So it's a tape measure um, that allows you to just tape the edges all the tines the main beams the circumference of all of the of all the of of your antlers to get the scores that you need the numbers you need to score your deer well now you can do this without needing a calculator you just lay each piece of tape on the tine or on the main beam wherever it is and then it you know marks that that amount of uh of inches and then you can just right there easily see your score so if you're the guy or girl that doesn't like using your own tape measure, moving it all around, taping it, adding everything together. This seemed like a, a slightly easier way to do it, although it looks like, you know, there's only so many times you could use it because it's adhesive and I don't think you could reuse it. I think it said there's 600 inches of tape, so if you live in Michigan, that might get you six deer. If you live <laughs> if you live in Iowa, it might get you two and a half. So 
uh, that that product's not important to me right now because I have to worry about killing a deer first. That's true. We need Dan. Uh, well, you can weigh your deer. You get you got some does, so we could get a, a trophy trophy weight measurement. <laughs> I guess <laughs> I, I didn't see that product yet. Um, I'm trying to think here. What else stood out to me? Like you said, there's there's all the Camel gear companies, new stuff on those fronts. I didn't see a whole lot of new on the clothing standpoint. Um, as I think through Sitka has got a few new things, but no major no major new updates this year since last year was the huge whitetail relaunch. They've got a new Fanatic Light bibs uh, to go along with their jacket and a new Fanatic Light vest um, so that if you need something for slightly more moderate climates, um, that's a good option. Um, oh, tree stands. You see anything new on the tree stand front? I, can, I, I remember seeing Muddy had a new tree stand um, with like the the kind of hammock style type seat, the cloth seat, not a big cushion seat, but the kind of sling seat that's um, like a $99 price point. It's be a little more affordable. Oh, I remember something that I saw. Did you see the Vine tree stands from Summit? So Summit brand tree stands has launched a whole new line that they're branding as the Vine tree stands. And essentially what they're trying to do is remove all straight lines from their ladders, from their sticks, from the tree stands. So that it looks like a vine on the tree. So a ladder stand, instead of having your typical straight, you know, what a ladder looks like, it kind of looks like a, I don't even know how to describe it, other than, I guess, kind of like a vine. It, there's all your different spots where you can put your feet, but it's curly and winding and meandering and, and really strange looking so that when you're walking through the tree, you're walking through the woods, other hunters aren't going to be able to see your tree stand. And hopefully deer won't know so straight, strange edges either. So... Kind of a cool, different way to go about it. Um, I saw that and was kind of interested. Another thing I saw, speaking of Summit, I, somebody I was talking to had shared a couple of these things with me that I never knew. And I don't, I don't know if this is new or if this has just been with Summit Tree Stands forever and I just never knew. Um, but they have this, I guess, proprietary uh, technology on their seats, their cushion seats, that's essentially the same stuff that Crocs uses for their shoes. And I... I'm not afraid to admit that I love Crocs. <laughs> They're really comfortable. Um, so they've got the these seats that essentially feel like you're sitting on the same material as Crocs, but it it doesn't absorb moisture, so it will never be wet, and squirrels and other rodents don't chew it. So that seems like a, a really cool thing, given those are major issues. I hate having a wet seat when I get to my tree stand, and I hate having it all chewed the heck up by squirrels. So. That's uh, I've never tried some of tree stands personally, but that kind of was intriguing to me. So, yeah, from the tree stand side of things, I had a good conversation with uh, one of the guys who works for XOP. And if you're not familiar with Extreme Outdoor Products, they are. See, how do I put this? They used to have they they made the original Lone Wolf. They sold Lone Wolf. Now they came out with another tree stand that has all the upgrades that one would want to a lone wolf. So like, uh, you know, if your if you're lone wolf stick or any stick for that matter is at an angle, if it's wet or if there's snow on it, your boot can kind of slip off because it's a straight line. Well, on their stick, they have, a, it's that, that step has been not only lengthened, but there's been a curve uh, designed into that. So your boot rests right in the center of it. They're, um, that V, that V bracket on the back of the stick has been um, short, like the angle has been shortened, which removes it 
further from the tree, meaning you can get your boot further onto the step and they have a locking mechanism on their stick. So when they stack their sticks, you don't need a strap. You can, when you shut down the actual step on the backside of the stick, there's a bracket that clips onto the next stick below it, allowing it to stack up without having to use straps. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Nice, yeah. I've been intrigued by the XOP products. I've yet to try them, but a couple of my buddies in Iowa that I hunt near, they did, and they seem to like them a lot. Um, and I think they're a little bit less expensive than Lone Wolf, right? I think like 20 or 30 bucks. Yeah. The only thing I that I – one of the reasons – I bought a new tree stand this year, um, and I was between getting an XOP or Lone Wolf, and I ended up going with the Lone Wolf because – They've got the smaller version of their hang-on stand, the Assault version, That's that I really like. So Lone Wolf has got their two main hang-on versions, um, and I really like that small one. And XOP doesn't seem to have one that same size. They kind of have the standard size. Um, I like the, the smaller stand, the smaller, the lighter weight. It's, you know, it's only like 11 pounds or 10 pounds and so many ounces. So because I'm, you know, like you, running and gunning a lot these days now, that was something that I ended up going with. But XOP is definitely intriguing. Um, I don't know. Have you seen that? Yeah. I tell you what, there's another company out there and I, God, I wish I knew the name. I have their business card in my, in my uh, pack over there, but it's a stick. It's a stack of sticks and I don't think there's a tree stand with them yet, but it's just sticks. So what you do is you, um, the, the actual bracket that attaches to the tree folds up, makes for easy stacking, but you put the stick on the tree you tighten the top one and then you pull the bottom of the stick out and then you drop the bracket against the tree and it prevents the the stick from sliding down once when you step on it so you know like on the lone wolf sticks or, or the muddy sticks or any other real stick you put on the tree you step on it and there's that first couple inches for it to settle that doesn't happen with this stick so that's kind of I, – I would love to get my hands on one of those and try to test it out. Hmm. Yeah. Have you ever had with any of these climbing sticks where the where if you step on the bottom rung and you – I think both on Muddy and Lone Wolf and I think most of the other climbing sticks I've seen, they attach to the tree by up at a, up at a strap or something at the top third of the stick. So if you step on the bottom rung, sometimes that will swing out. Have you ever had that happen? Yes, that, that happens quite a bit actually, especially on uh, – crooked trees yeah so if there's some way that, that a company could fix that problem that would be nice because i've had a couple little slightly scary situations where if you step on it at a weird angle and push out and if it's not really firmly settled in that stick will just swing off and then once any part of that stick comes off the tree then it loses all that tension that's holding the whole thing steady mm -hmm. um and then it gets a little sketchy yeah and it makes noise but back to that back to that plastic or that stick that i just talked about the other cool feature about it is there's no metal-on-metal metal contact. So if parts of it are plastic and parts of it are, are hard plastic, parts of it are metal. So there's no clinking and clanging when you're taking them off your stand. That's huge. That's huge. Uh, I wish more, you know, that's something I wish more tree stand companies would focus on is making those parts quiet. Like, how come we can't get a tree stand that has some type of, I don't know, rubberized, coating over some of the different edges or, or something. I don't I'm not, I haven't seen anything that does a really good job of avoiding those clanks. And that's one thing that I saw a DIY guy. He owned a, 
a truck bed lining company, like those spray-on rubberized yeah. thing. He dipped his tree stand in that. I thought that was one of the greatest ideas ever. And, and you know, I, I know that would be a huge um, task for any tree stand company to try to do that to their company or to their tree stand, like dip or some kind of soft coating for that. But it would re- it reduced all his noise, he said. And uh, it would take some time and energy, and you know, obviously that step would increase the price of um, of the tree stands. But man, if somebody came out with something like oh, that, yeah. that would be amazing. Well, talking about like small companies that are trying to get noticed in this industry, if one of you guys or girls can come up with that technology and bring that to the ATA show next next year, I promise we will get you a lot of attention yeah. because <laughs> that would get me really excited. I'd be I'd be pretty pumped about that. So. I think, Dan, we are going to have to shut this down because we need to get going to the show quick. Uh, is there anything else that you think is worth noting, any of the other products that we haven't talked that really stood out, or have we covered them? No. Uh, a majority of these companies go to local, your state classics as well, So, especially if they're close. So look for, you know, if you go to the ATA if you go to the ATA web sh- website and look at the floor plan and look and, and see who is at this show and or if it's a company that you're loyal to and you've followed over the years or you've seen some new product um, or company that you've noticed through advertising or marketing and you want to find out more about them and where they're going to be, visit their websites and I'm pretty sure they'll tell you what trade shows they're going to go to so you can get your hands on the product. I know that for me, and I know I think for you as well, mm-hmm. before we make purchases, we, we want to touch, feel, and hold these products in our hands and uh, uh, going to your local Deer Classic or any, any other trade shows that these companies might go to could be beneficial for you. Yeah, and it's just fun. Usually yeah. the, those shows are usually in like February or March or January, I guess, when you're, you know, fresh off a of deer hunting season but already looking forward to the next one. So that's a good way to get a little bit of a deer hunting fix. So I know uh, hopefully I'll be able to make the Ohio Deer Classic, and I've always wanted to go to the Iowa one. I've never been, but I've heard it's pretty cool. So I think with that, we will wrap up this quick ATA update show. Hope it was uh, kind of interesting for you guys to little, get a little bit of a sneak peek into what goes on at this great big show. Interesting stuff, and uh, we've got one more day here. We'll try to cover some stuff on social media, which I'm sure by the time you listen to this, you might have already seen. So with that said, we will not beat around the bush. We'll just shut it all down. We do want to thank our partners, though, who have helped make the Wired Hunt podcast possible. So big thank you to Sika Gear, Trophy Ridge, Bear Archery, Redneck Blinds, Huntero Maps, Ozonics, Carbon Express, Lacrosse Boots, and the Whitetail Institute of North America. Please help the Wired Hunt podcast by supporting these companies and letting them know that you enjoy the show. That's a huge help. So, most important, thank you all finally for joining us. Uh, We appreciate it. It's the start of a new year, so we're excited for 2016. We hope you are too, and we hope that you'll stay Wired to Hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.
Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.